recorded live, Union Inn, Washington, D.C., 1112, 3rd Street, Northeast. We are Steps to Nomagayudet Metro. Nice, brisk walk to Union Station. And a leisurely jaw to the Capitol, Capitol Hill. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy, host extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Guestbook Podcast. Guestbook Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We got a special, special, special episode for you all. Why? Because we're going international with it. Woohoo! To Montreal, Canada. You don't have states, you have provinces, right? Yeah, that's right. But you all come from Quebec. Yes. Which is the French speaking one. Bonjour, Washington. Bonjour, Washington. Comment ça va? Okay, what'd you say? What'd you say right there? I said, I was, I was going Washington. <laughs> the, the intro song. Yeah, yeah, that girl is called uh, Cœur de Pirate. She's probably kind of our own lord or like something. Like, she started really young. She was 16, I think, when she first like launched her stuff. And she she went immensely popular in Quebec. She went in France also, which is a much bigger market, and she's super huge there too. And she's trying to cross over to America a bit, a bit more. She's basically like a piano um, piano songwriter, but aiming towards pop, as you can hear. And uh, I hope she can make it in the U.S. too. Now, what is her name? Car de Pirate. Is her first name Guillard? And she's saying she's Kiar the pirate. Kiar. Kiar. Kiar is like heart. heart. So, oh, heart of the pi- pirate of the heart. The opposite, like heart, heart of the heart, pirate. Heart of the pirate. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you all spent nice little beautiful weekend here in DC. Yeah, it was nice. The weather was amazing. Ah. Uh, yes, it was. We had it, like high sixties, low seventies, like the whole time. It's been a really tough winter in Montreal. So just to see the sun and be able to walk around in like lighter clothes without any kind of coat was kind of oh. that's why we drove 12 hours yeah just to, we, we we basically ran away from the cold <laughs> that's what we did <laughs> just drove until it got yeah. warm and said okay let's stop here so what'd you do while you're here i mean the usual suspects um like the house of cards yeah yeah the house of cards tour. <laughs> popular checklist <laughs> yeah it was really nice the the, the capital um white house obviously we went to see u street yesterday we we thought it was pretty nice and the 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 streets around it also like the ninth the ninth street i really liked it the 14th street was nice too um we rent we went super fast in georgetown we didn't have much time we spent like an hour because the thing is the first day we were we didn't we weren't really uh, keen into taking our car because we didn't want to lose our parking spot but the second day we we were like okay there's too much to do we need to take the car and i'm like i'm the queen of parking so there shouldn't be any issues she's the queen of parking we take the car in the morning go visit arlington cemetery go uh, visit georgetown um have a little drinks in uh, adams morgan yeah and then we come back at night and our spot is is still right there in front of the house queen of parking (laughs) yeah she's the luckiest and you all met in engineering school correct we met yes many years ago in engineering school so 
I introduced this lovely engineer engineer to be to my parents and then he plays a trick on me and says that he wants to go to comedy school <laughs> and doesn't want to work in engineering <laughs> yeah yeah so then yeah that was a that was a big problem Just joking. so no, you no. said that comedy school though there actually really is a, a comedy a school for comedy where you get credits and you take classes and all of that yeah right? yeah that's pretty unique in montreal because because you maybe you guys know we have uh like Montreal, um, Just for Laughs is a worldwide known festival. Uh, uh, yeah, and and we the, the the school that was linked to that festival at first is called um, L'Ecole de Limo, like comedy school, uh, and then it, they 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 went uh, on separate paths. But still, it exists. It's been existing for thirty years. You can go to school in Quebec and get like regular credits from the government. Uh, by studying comedy in a regular class you sit and there's a teacher and it's really weird so in these classes are they teaching you like timing are they teaching you the history everything. of comedy everything. and everything wow. we, we we learned about like american politics in that school it, it, it's amazing yeah like the the um, the founder of the school the she she's really really good she's an amazing brain um and and she made sure along the way that it was not too easy for for talents to get there and just to do jokes about farts or anything she tries to to give you a kind of a background um and it, it's really different from other schools you went to in your life because i mean when i was there and the teacher was telling us something i was i was taking notes and i was trying to apply that to the next time i was i was working on a joke but that's not the way it works it's it's a different kind of you need to learn about it and let it sink in and at some point it will serve you in the future but it's not something you can apply right away and check boxes like like yeah. you would do with with maths or anything it this has to be uh, like you said internalized yeah yeah during that time, you applied that knowledge, as you, as you said, over time, while you you had a radio show yeah. at the university as well. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about that. Um, I started to do that when I was studying engineering, um, and I really fell in love with it. Like, I, I spent so much time on it with, with my best friend, uh, two of my best friends, actually, my two best friends. We, we had a radio show, and um, we were working on this at nights. Uh, finding sounds on the internet and working on like funny bits and everything it was super super fun and along the way i finished my my bachelor in engineering but i started to work for the radio the college radio i got paid to to work um uh, for the radio itself and i ended up being like the general manager of the wow. radio yeah right. at the same time as i was doing the show mm -hmm. so at some point, um, I remember it, it was a comedy show. We were like goofing around. And at some point, I remember I threw a chair in the studio that was part of the sketch. And I just broke the window, you know, the window between like the guests and, and uh, the engineer. Yeah, yeah. Like the super important <laughs> window <laughs> that you cannot find like easily. Yeah. <laughs> I broke it. What was the name of the show? It was called Les Rongeurs du Risque, uh, which is in French, obviously. And it's uh, it's the French version of uh, Rescue Rangers, you know, uh, Walt Disney, the the small squirrels. Um, it's a play on words on that in French. What time did the show come on? Yeah, it was in the morning. It was a morning show. Okay, so about like three hours long. Uh, two three hours long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a volunteer show, 
And I remember at sometimes we were putting like probably 25 to 30 hours a week on it. So at some point I was like, okay, that, that's too much. Let's, let's not do that again. So once you were done there, did you eventually go back to engineering or did you stay on the path of radio? Yeah, I stayed on the path of radio. I went to work for um, CBC Radio Canada, which is kind of the, the, the equivalent of NPR in Canada. That was my dream. We got our own radio show. It was called uh, Tales of Objects. Um, yeah, Histoire d'Objets. Uh, it was a show about objects. So every, every episode was about a different object. And we tried to talk about that object in so many different ways. Like the elevator. We got, we got a show about the elevator. So I remember once I went to do a ride with a guy who was like working on elevators. And we, we got to do a ride on the top of the elevator. Just not Ooh. inside, on the top. Like Bruce Willis. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that. It was amazing. I can imagine. During the whole show, you, you try to have like a different kind of view. Like we, we had somebody to talk about like the architectural point of view on, on the elevator mm -hmm. and everything. So every show was built around that. And it's pretty cool uh, how creative you can become talking about just a simple object. It, it was a really cool show. So you're no longer with CBC, but does that, does that show still exist? You can find it on the internet, mm -hmm. but it doesn't exist anymore because it's a re it's a show we created ourselves. It was our our idea. It was uh, I mean, it was the same uh, people uh, with which I did the show the in college radio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was our dream. We did it for two years, and then there were cuts at the government. Did, uh, did you government. have a lot of listeners? <sighs> it's always hard to say when you work for. Um, NPR type radio but there's been like surveys and stuff like that and we had really good numbers I mean with so the reason I'm going down this path yeah, is yeah. we're on a podcast right now yeah have you ever thought about doing a podcast yeah but that's the thing in in because we live in French Canada you know and as you can hear my English is probably not a level where you, you can have like a radio show in English so I, I tend to work in French which is kind of a good idea yeah. uh, and and it's a small market it's a really really small market and it's something I would have to do like in my own time I don't say I won't I won't do it at some point but and I'm sorry I'm going down this path but <laughs> it, it's fresh on my mind now so uh, Google has yeah. a podcast creators program yeah yeah I partnered know. with PRX mm -hmm. to do the Google podcast creators program where mm -hmm. they locate six programs yeah. basically it's a 20-week accelerator program and one of the things they talk about is how they're trying to speak to underserved markets they realize that the, the podcasting landscape right now is a fraction of what it ultimately will become mm -hmm. i actually went to a panel i want to say last week where they had one of the guys from the google prx program and what he was talking about was while the program you know right now is in english they're looking for stuff from programs where the primary language isn't English. And it doesn't matter if your market is small. It's that if you have a group of people that listen to and follow your actual you know, show, that's really the thing that they are looking for. So you doing this show, the Rescue Rangers show, and then having the Tales of Objects show where you did it with the same people. And I'm sure you, you had a lot of your audience that probably crossed over from the radio to the CBC show. Yeah. Uh, and now you're no longer doing that show. If you went out to your listeners and said, hey, we're starting a podcast now doing the exact same thing. I, I'd venture to guess that 
you'd already have a baked in following and you just continue doing what you were doing before. Now, granted, I'm not saying you'd be able to get paid immediately, <laughs> uh, but uh, you'd be surprised. Um, one of the things they were saying where you don't have to have a ton of followers to start getting ads. Yeah, the landscape is, is changing for podcasts yeah. and it's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, but so. it's always slower in smaller markets. Yeah. Well, just something to look into. Oh, thank possibly. you. Thanks so, for the tip. You're very welcome. All right, Stephanie, we didn't forget about you. So, are you an engineer? <laughs> I'm not an engineer. I started engineering school, okay. but it was too much mathematics for me. Okay. So, I went to do industrial design and then off to digital marketing with that. And it's a mix that's really interesting, having design and marketing blend together. Um, it's because you're your user, you think for your, your users and customers, and at the same time, you get to be really creative. And uh, yeah, before we got on the podcast, you know, we were riffing a bit just to get comfortable. You were telling us about one of the big things that's happening in digital marketing, specifically from a retail standpoint. Yes, I work in the e commerce industry, and what we see more and more is everything that's related to uh, augmented reality and artificial intelligence in that sense where uh, people who shop online want to shop with more confidence so before you buy a you know 10 grand ring or a pair of glasses that's really expensive you wanted to see how it fits on you first so this is where the industry is going developing more and more of those applications all right and you say expensive pairs of glasses but I mean, with this technology, it can help lower the price of glasses like dramatically because you don't have to pay for all the people working around, like trying to sell you the glasses and fit you the glasses and whatever. What other applications are you seeing? Um, what the biggest brands, you know, are creating those Snapchat filters. Are these big companies the first um, to jump in that that? AR bandwagon or no no I would say it's they're more conservative mm. but at the same time you can see businesses like Tesla's Tesla who, mm -hmm. who are doing it uh, in a great way from the start yeah, it's actually the start. in their DNA I think yeah it's when you walk into a Tesla showroom they welcome you you know you can try on the cars they know you're not gonna buy it right away but they let you try it they let you try the experience yeah so do you just work with big companies or are there any um, smaller companies? No, work I worked well? for startups and I worked for more multinational companies like Cirque du Soleil or L'Oreal. And okay. for startups, I, I worked for a, a sort of a competitor to Honest Company. Okay, Honest Company, what's that? The Honest Company is, uh, is for... Um, a multi-billion dollar company yeah, owned by Jessica Alba. I guess you know <laughs> Jessica Alba. Yeah, we can relate to that. Yeah, I think I know Jessica Alba. She's super rich, like not just by making exactly. movies. But with that business, she basically uh, has her retirement days planned because people are, are buying um, baby diapers and wipes and it's a recurring it's a subscription model. Ah. Yeah, it's a really nice company, and that girl is super intelligent. Yeah. Like, we've always seen the side of, like, making movies, but she's super brilliant. Is she Canadian? No, no. I don't think so. No. No. Okay. All right. So she, yeah, she basically has this subscription-based model, and then she follows your child, like, okay, your child is uh, 
is now six months old. Now, after a year, you get diapers for a one one year old. Yeah, it's so evolving. Oh my god! Yeah, so it much money to make there. All right, and that's the company that you were working with. So it, a competitor. Oh, competitor to that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so for startups versus multinationals, uh, th- from a digital marketing side, how would you say it's it differs? <sighs> It's so different, uh, especially everything that's related to financial security. Mm. This is the hard thing for startups, the cash flow. Um, yeah, the cash flow is one big issue. Yeah, them. you got to have some runway. Yeah, you have to be um, sponsored. Yeah, and probably the first thing you caught on when you have cash flow problems is like, oh, digital marketing. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> It's actually probably one of the most important things. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I mean. But you need you need also to get the core working. If you yeah. have the app or your, or if your product isn't working well, then no marketing can help. With yeah. That. Yeah, sure. And the other thing is that in in bigger companies, I think too, is that you have to you have you have to evangelize for digital marketing because some people are still in the old way of thinking. So it's a it's getting better for you, but I remember like three four years ago it was really hard, just like finding a job in that field. A lot of companies were like they were hiring someone for digital marketing, but nobody in the company knew anything about digital marketing. So what kind of interview do you get? It's like nonsense, right? It was really weird. A few years ago, companies were looking for. Someone who can do paid media, but also is an email uh, marketing guru, and also social do media SEO. channels, <laughs> yeah, Facebook, Twitter. Time. Yeah, manage social uh, platforms, and nowadays it's all different jobs and yeah, specialties. Ten people do that. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Montreal for a second. <laughs> Before we got on the podcast, you had mentioned that. You did a program that was similar to one that a couple of friends of mine, uh, shout out to Trey and Josh, did here in a uh, DC metro area. Hey, Trey and Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Bonjour. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, Trey. Trey actually is. Uh, he's the third. Everybody calls him Trey because in this program, it was a French immersion program that they took in the sixth grade, where uh, basically they were taught all their core classes like math and social studies, in a different language. This language being French solely and so what happens is as the child is growing up through the school matriculating through the school they actually really learn or immersed in the actual language so when they come out uh they should have at least a passing fluency i guess you'd say but anyways you did something similar to that in montreal yeah yeah i did that in sixth grade for for english because where i come from is in the suburbs of montreal just like a 30 minute drive from montreal and it makes a whole difference because people in Montreal, the city is basically 50-50 English-French and the French part, people tend to speak pretty good English too. But when you live in the suburbs, like it's almost 100% French all the time. So when I was in the sixth grade, uh, I I thought it was a good thing to learn English. I, As you can see, I learned the words, but the accent was a problem at the time, and it hasn't really been solved yet. I remember at some point I was shy of speaking English because of my accent. And at some point you get older and you say, whatever, you know? 
Um, the important thing is to is to understand um, what the person is saying, having a, a conversation, connect. And recently, I got my first job that was mostly in English, and I was really proud of it. Like I, I, I can totally work uh, in English. Um, like the written part, the, the the speaking part, everything was was okay. I've understood everything you've been saying. All right, yes. and you know that's a relief. Accents are cool. That's my. Th that's the first time I record a show in English. Really, I, I did so much radio airtime in my life. That's the first time I record something in English. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Freddie. <laughs> You're very welcome. Tell the listeners at home who may be unfamiliar with just exactly how French or how much of a French influence Montreal and really the province of Quebec has. Quebec is the only French-speaking province in Canada. It's we round the corners here but it's pretty there's people who speak french in other parts of canada but it's really a minority um in quebec it's really the majority of the this this pretty huge uh, territory it's a huge province and as i said in montreal it's really 50 50 a lot of people speak english but like in the rest of quebec when you're like i mean six hours from montreal you're gonna have a hard time finding someone who speaks uh, English or good English or English at all. Maybe right now with the internet, it's getting better with the younger generations. But like the older generations, it's it's it was a problem because you could never practice. It was all in French, and now that all comes from our French heritage from the 18th century. We were once a, a French, um, how do you colony. say colony? Colony, yeah. Um, and then, then the British came and bombed everything. And but we still have to work hard to preserve oh my French God. heritage. Yes, really, very hard. If you go to downtown Montreal, what you'll hear is English, basically. Really? Almost, almost. Oh yeah. Yeah, you get you're greeted in the stores with "Hello, bonjour." Yeah, that that's the new thing. So, "Hello, bonjour" to to make sure that everyone is is served and. A lot of French folks freak out about it because it's it's still hey, bonjour, a, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still like a, a a French province, and we shouldn't have to bend like that. I think we should we should be proud just to say bonjour. And I mean, if you come from everywhere in the globe, you can at least understand what bonjour is. Come on, after that, you can be served in English, but we can we, we could just say bonjour. But but anyway, that that's a, and also in in French Canada, that's that's something funny. I think it's the only place in the world where like stop signs, uh, we we call that in 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 our country we call that arrêt stop because like we there there's the word in French over the word stop. So arrêt stop, we call that an arrêt stop. It's, it's a stop sign in French. It's really weird. Yeah, your mic is so good. I crack my I crack my knuckles, and we can hear that. That's a good <laughs> mic. <laughs> gotta have good mics here, man. I'm telling you, man. Gotta have a quality podcast, just like you said. You gotta have good quality product, right? Yeah. Otherwise, there's no marketing's gonna help you, right? Yeah. Uh, is that the case with public transit signs all throughout? Like when you're using the subway or using the bus? Is it primarily French and then English, or do they only say French, or they only say English? It's French. The signage, mm. um, there's a law for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a law to, to protect French. Mm -hmm. There's a big law, uh, which is called Law 101, Loi 101, that was passed uh, probably something like almost 50 years ago, and that pretty much saved 
French in in our province because I'm not sure where I'm not even sure we would speak French if that bill hadn't passed. But yeah, we're really proud of our French heritage. So when is the best time to go to Montreal? Summer. Summer. Wow. Don't go there in winter, please. All right. And summer lasts from when to when? Uh, short too July short. 1st to July 31st so July <laughs> the month of July basically no it depends but like as we said it's not even summer yet in uh, in Montreal and we're like what late April so it's it's kind of hard it's probably like you know like the seasons you learn in school summer starts on June 21st and ends in on Ju- September 21st that's pretty much it Okay. Like everything we get apart from that is is a big bonus. Okay. Is there a, a festival or some uh, event that happens during the summer that a lot of people go to? Yes, a lot of festivals. It starts in June, basically with a comedy festival, jazz festival, and then there's also um, there's the, the Grand F1. Prix. Yeah. yeah, F1. Is that just for laughs that you were talking about? The just comedy for festival? laughs. Okay. That's a huge fest. There's the French part, and then there's the American, the American, the, the English part with huge names. I mean, every year we get like, I don't know, I think we, we had Seinfeld last year. It's it's really, really uh, huge. It's one of the biggest in, in the world. And the French and the English part happen at the same time? Or is it like one week for one, one I week I think for there's another? a, yeah, there's a, there's, maybe there's a bit of an overlap, but they're mostly uh, separate. I want to say September, when you're saying it transitions from summer to fall. Do you have like a big turning of the leaves mm-hmm. where all the trees get October. yellows and, yeah. yeah. Is that a popular time for people to come out to take pictures of that? It's very popular. Also, what is popular is the apple picking season. Yeah, that's nice. What type of apples? I heard that the Macintosh apple was the, you know, emblematic apple of Quebec because of the way that the climate is. That kind of apple tastes better in Quebec than oh. any other states or provinces. And that's the red one, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, and then skiing, because you guys have a primarily cold weather yeah. climate. So are there any big um, ski or snowboard resorts up there? So there are. It's just that we're not at all um, winter sports people. That's okay. why we, we hate winter so much. <laughs> we run we're not good it. advocates for winter. But yeah, uh, in terms of uh, uh, mountains, uh, probably Mont Tremblant is, uh, is, would be your... your uh, Mont number. what? Mount Tremblant, T R E M B L A, and yeah, and uh, also in in Quebec, Quebec City is a nice city. If you want to freeze your uh, and go there in winter, it, it's super cold. Like it's the coldest you will ever have experienced in your life. But it's super nice too. It's a really nice city, and there's a there's a mountain there that's called the Massif. The Massif. The Massif. The Ma- massive, the massive, yeah, the massive doesn't really sound like a mountain, but yeah. you know. And is the mountain people hike, or is this something for skiing and snowboarding as well? Skiing. Oh yeah, yeah, you can do that. Uh, you can do everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mont Tremblant is a really big mountain. It's not like Whistler or anything like that, but it's a it's a pretty big mountain. Massive, M A S S I F. Yep. All right. Another other ones that came up said the massive. Mont Saint Saint Anne, mm-hmm. Mont Sutton, yes, Bromont Ski. They're all nice, but they're smaller, right? Yeah, they're smaller. If like people from Montreal, when they want to go to a 
a bigger mound, they will go to Vermont. And really? JP go to yeah. Now JP, that's in Vermont. Vermont. Or yeah. That's okay. All right. So how far are you from the Vermont line? Oh, not really far. Probably An hour. two hour. An hour and a half. Hour and a half. Yeah. Okay, so you're pretty close. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of confusing, even for us. Like, you, if you take the car and you're you're on your, uh, you you don't get stuck in traffic too much you can get to the border in an hour okay it's really close yeah i gotta go to montreal can you take the train there it's gonna take a while like if you take the train from new york um it's probably gonna be close to 12 hours from new york so it's it's a long way yeah and there's no there's no but but i heard that this guy from uh, we talked about Tesla earlier but um, Elon Musk you know the, this Hyperloop thing yeah um, there the, the the New York Montreal line is in the finalists I think or m- maybe it's between Toronto and Montreal Google it Google it Toronto Montreal oh Toronto Montreal yeah yeah that would cut to 39 minutes it, it's a six hour drive for now imagine this yeah, is nuts that, that changes everything Anything else about Montreal I need to know? Um, I mean, you've already convinced me that I need to go, but the food scene. Yes, I am a yes, I am a foodie. You will love how international um, the food is. How many how many options there are? Also, there's a lot of competition, and the bar is really high in terms of quality and and what you can get for a reasonable amount of money and even compared to if you go to the suburbs uh, like i'd say 30 45 minutes away from montreal you get like more regular food chains and regular food but in montreal the competition is really intense and you we benefit from it like yes, and people everyone benefits from it oh wow the food scene is amazing if you get if you come in the summer and if you can eat outside on the, like have a beer on the terrace and have really good food you'll remember it it's a really good experience as of recent one of my favorite favorite cuisines has uh, been vietnamese and from what i understand vietnamese has a very heavy french influence mm-hmm. upon it um seeing that montreal quebec also has a French influence. Do you find really good Vietnamese restaurants there? Yes. Um, there is a large Vietnamese community in Montreal. So okay. there are great, great, um, great restaurants. Um, and now what we used to see is, you know, more traditional Vietnamese cuisine. But today there are very modern, um, mm. modern takes on that. And also people are taking the influences from street food and bring it to the, res- the restaurant. Yeah, there's a spot, uh, a pretty new spot that's called Red Tiger. If you come to Montreal, go there. It's Vietnamese street food. But you can also have cocktails, you know. It's, it's a really nice yeah. spot. Yeah, try Red to reserve cocktails. in advance because it's not that big, but it's really good. And, and But the thing with Vietnamese restaurants is that um, um, the design and like any kind of interior design for a restaurant for a Vietnamese is not a number one priority. It's not. It's not in their genes. So sometimes Damn. it would look horrible from the outside, but the food is amazing. Yeah, so I came don't for the food. So yeah, hey. what you have to look at is is there Vietnamese people inside? If there's Vietnamese people inside, go there. All right. Okay, you ready for the seven questions? Oh, no, but we will we'll do it. 
Don't What's know. the call, what? y'all? It's the questions. It's the questions. Wait, it's the questions. It's the questions. Yeah. And if you want, you can combine your answers. You yeah, know. sure. That's a good, that's All right. a good idea. So, so we question. can get back to Montreal someday. <laughs> <laughs> question number one. Book to add to the library. I'm going to go with this one. Um, that would be Story by Robert McKee. It's a book I bought a couple years ago to learn how to write movies. I gave it to you. Oh, you gave it to me. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's it's an amazing book. Uh, and probably people who are listening right now, you're not going to want to write a movie. It's it's not important. Just read this book because this guy is amazing. It's a, it's a movie point of view for sure. But what you need to think of before you write a story, how you should do it, Everything is covered, and I love the way he did it. I even uh, went to a master class with that guy. He's a great teacher, amazing, amazing teacher. Okay. Question number two: Podcast to subscribe. I'd say if you if you've never listened to podcasts before, just uh, scroll over what Gimlet has to offer has to offer and and listen to that. It's an amazing company. Gimlet started. It was started by a guy who was working for NPR before. and Alex Bloomberg. Alex Bloomberg. And the first show he did was called Startup that basically documented his process of starting a podcast company, but literally live. Like, he was trying to pitch his idea to a dude that was working for... Chris Saka. He's a... Uh, he's Twitter, a, I think. A venture capitalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's a billionaire, actually. Uh, and... Uh, because he had done a show with him for for NPR before mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. left to do Gimlet, and uh, you know because he had this network of people, he was reaching out to him about starting a podcast network, and this is before podcast networks really even yeah. started. Um, was I want to say it's like 2014 around then? I think so. Yeah, and so the, the episode he's talking about is the first episode where he's actually trying to piss, pitch Chris Saka about Gimlet, and he's just stumbling over all his words. Yeah, and, and then, he keeps it yeah. uh, on his show, and I found it amazing. Yeah. And after that, this guy comes out and he said, okay, no, no, I got you. I got you covered. Here, here's your pitch. And then, like, it's the most intense 15, 20 seconds you're going to hear in your life. This guy has an amazing brain. How can you do it? It was just like a perfect encapsulated pitch, the, the most perfect thing you've ever heard. Yeah. And, and just like Chris Saka just freestyled a 15, 20 second pitch and it was Perfect. oh my god like people talk about that pitch just how he did that so easily and what's crazy about it is now in 2019 when gimlet media just sold to spotify earlier this year for over 200 million dollars like chris saka was right like that pitch encapsulated everything about why you would have wanted to invest in a podcast uh and i remember media, when i was listening company. to that in 2014 i was like yeah yeah right yeah yeah right a million dollar company with podcasts yeah i want to see that like this guy is probably gonna fail and no yeah. no we didn't so we'll say uh startup podcast yeah 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 start with that it's do. really cool it's kind of a behind the scenes it's kind of a meta meta podcast because he documents that in real time what he's doing it's it's yeah. amazing yeah and there's several seasons of it too yeah and it shows like how they've grown and the challenges that they've had with that it's really good all right, number three, something that you didn't know that you needed until you got it. I'm thinking of planche chauffant. Oh, that's How nice. How do you say that in English? Um, eating, e- eating floor? 
heated oh heated floor. floors yeah oh yeah 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 okay. oh yeah no doubt so i totally i was totally judging that as like a luxury thing to have non-necessary gadget yeah. and you insisted when we redid the bathroom and i caved in and then realized that how awesome it is when you wake up in the morning and you know it's already hard to wake up in the morning but having this uh, greet you when you enter the bathroom <laughs> it's just amazing for you know to start the day even late at night and especially in quebec where it's mm. cold where it's cold the ceramic floor can be so so cold mm -hmm. and we live on the ground floor oh so, yeah, I no, I completely. So know. we we would recommend it to anyone who <laughs> who think they need it and don't know they need it. And yeah. I remember the selling point for me. It was my uncle who told me that is that he said you don't even have to have any kind of radiator or anything in the bathroom. Aside from that, you heat your bathroom with that, and I was like, oh, so it doubles right. as mm -hmm. yeah, zero. that's enough. So you save space and you save on other expenses in your. Uh, bathroom if you if you add that it's probably a bit more expensive but it's worth it listeners at home if you are redoing your bathroom strongly consider putting heated floors in you will not regret it do it <laughs> number four bucket list place to travel this is a place in the world that you have been to that you would recommend the listeners add to their bucket okay list. we have been to yes oh, vietnam vietnam yeah if if you can go to vietnam at some point go there because uh, it's super cheap for people who come from outside the country and eating anywhere is always good you just pop in every place you see and it will always be good and cheap same for any kind of housing so it's pretty much you pay your flight ticket that's your number one expense and aside from that it's pretty cheap to be there and the weather is nice the country is amazing the people are super nice it's it's the best vietnam has a lot of coastline are there a lot of beaches out mm -hmm. there yes it's there the best nice country beaches. you nice. have everything you have mountains you have beaches is there any city in particular um what what people do normally is you start by the south mm -hmm. and you move up so or the, the opposite yeah you can do the opposite but we felt like starting by the south and moving north was there was a crescendo yeah. happening there okay in yeah. our personal taste but there's so much stuff to do in the north that i i pretty much think that it's it's better um for travelers in the north uh, so in the south that would be saigon uh, and in the north that would be Hanoi. Halong Bay. Halong Bay, Hanoi. What is the primary difference between Saigon and Hanoi? Hanoi is more um, governmental. Mm -hmm. It's more like cultural. South is economic center. So it would be a difference between like D.C. and New York? Yes. Well, well I, I think the thing you have to say also is that I know he is in the northern part, so the northern part would be the communist part of uh, of Vietnam, which makes kind of a big difference. Mm -hmm. And the um, American part of Vietnam is the south, that would be Saigon. Yeah. But close to Hanoi, you have amazing landscapes, like Sapa, the mountains and the rice fields, and the Halong Bay, which are close enough. You said Halong Bay? Yes. H-A-L-O-N-G. It's amazing. When you're traveling from south to north, how do you do that? Do you do that by bus, by train? 
buy car like do you rent a car or depends of your budget we did that by plane it's not that expensive and if you have if you want to save time because you if you don't have a big budget you can do it by bus but it's going to take a while and you're probably not going to sleep that night so if like, you're more than six foot tall yeah <laughs> you yeah, should that's go thing. with airplanes <laughs> rather than bus because the buses are a bit bumpy and for smaller people okay number five 50 mile detour restaurant oh well a landmark from Quebec, from Montreal cuisine, would be uh, Martin Picard. Uh, he's a he's a great chef, and he, he he does like greasy cuisine. He doesn't care. There's maple syrup in there, and foie gras. and foie gras, and and he has a sugar shack, oh, like yeah, a fancy try this sugar shack. Too. That's nice. Cabane à sucre, <laughs> a few miles. Yeah, away yeah, from it's Montreal. in the suburbs. Okay. So it's worth the. Um, oh the man, you would. It's insane. Go crazy. It's insane. It's it's I'd say it's about something like fifty fifty dollars US per person and you get like this whole banquet it's a of feast. It's a, it's a feast like but just crazy sugar um, maple syrup party orgy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's amazing. It's really good food and just like with no boundaries. Uh, he's he's really really recreative, that. but you have to be there in spring or in in the fall. In, the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, in spring, it would be like really ro- uh, around maple uh, syrup, and in the fall, it's more into um, apples and apples yeah, and, um, seasonal. But it's 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 amazing. It's an experience. So you it mean, only happens in the spring and the fall. Yes, and you yeah. have to book in advance. Like, it's a draw in yeah fact. yeah it opens at like uh midnight on whichever date and you need to be there it's like booking tickets for whatever big huge artist okay that's it that's the one yeah. that's you, the 50 but mile you, detour. if you can like go with a group mm-hmm. that would be the best you would have like the best experience these are long tables you can come with your group it's probably like tables for 12 persons for sharing and yeah. this is going to be one of the best experiences in your life for sure. It's amazing. And this is in Montreal. So if I go to Montreal during this time, this, I can do that? This one this? is in the suburbs. Okay. So yeah. I need a car to get you there? You need a car. Number six, your number one skill. This is something I learned, right? Something I learned yes, to do. Yes, yes. This is a, your number one honed craft. Yeah. I think that would be writing. Writing, writing comedy, maybe more specifically, I... I wanted to do that since I was uh, really young, and it's it's really hard to do. Um, I don't really think I'm good yet, but I'm I'm getting better, and sometimes paid for it. <laughs> sometimes. And uh, number seven, number one talent. This is your innate proficiency. You don't know because you have too many. <laughs> good problems. Good problems. Innate. That would be maths. I, I've, oh, yeah. I've always been good with numbers. I don't know why. Okay, then I, my eye for design. Yeah, sure. Artistic sure. sense. Yeah. So that's why we complete each other. Yeah. Oh, Can you imagine no. she's been to engineering school and sometimes she's like, <laughs> three times four, can no, you help no, me? Not that. I get stressed out when we have to calculate uh, mortgage stuff <laughs> or financial stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, she's you. You have a good eye for for everything, and 
Every time I take like artistic decisions by myself, I always regret it. <laughs> so, Guillaume, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Do you all have any social media or any websites or email addresses that you want to share with the listeners at home? Oh my God, I don't. Ah, okay, I'm going to give Twitter. Um, if you want to practice your French and learn about hockey, I, I'm not there as often as I used to be, but my Twitter uh, is Guidou Saint Ange. So that would be G U I D O U S T O N G E. Okay. Guidou Saint Ange. Guidou Saint Ange. And right. if you want to reach me and ask about Freddy, you can do so by uh, Instagram, Steph, etc. Oh, I like that. E-T-C. Oh, that's E-T-C. nice. I like yeah. that. That's on IG. All right, perfect. All right. So, again, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks thank for having you. us. I'm Lazy Jonas. It's been yet another wonderful edition of Guestbook Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed a nice little tour through Montreal. Practice your French. <laughs> uh, if you want to reach me, feel free to shoot me an email at innkeeper at unionindc.com. And like Stephanie, I'm on Instagram. Check out the inn at Union in DC, at Guestbook Pod for the podcast, and at Innkeeper Freddy with an IE if you want to reach out to me directly. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. So he has a a restaurant in Montreal which is called Au Pied de Cochon mm-hmm. and there you'll find the poutine au foie gras Put- poutine poutine you, you know what poutine. a poutine is have, yeah, you, ever, have you ever had a poutine I don't want a poutine oh come on come on don't you be that don't have. be I'm that sorry. person I'm be. sorry I'm, I'm very open minded but it just seems very very rich like no 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 just no. You're taking starch of potatoes, you're frying it, and then you're throwing cheese on top. No, no. You are not that closed-minded uh, It's not that you I'm closed-minded. I just know what I like, man. And I'm saying that I don't think that I'd like no. that. Just I get, mean, I'll try just, it, but... Uh, uh. Just you get some beers, be in Montreal, and get get a poutine and, and just surrender, my friend. <laughs> surrender. <laughs> so is poutine a, a whole Canadian thing or is it just That's Montreal? a French-Canadian, French-Canadian thing. Canadian. And the thing okay. is, like, it started in the 50s and then at some point, like, people from outside Quebec discovered it and it became a huge thing. And even sometimes people in Canada say, that's a Canadian thing. Like, people from Toronto or Vancouver they say, hey, it's Canadian. Whoa. Cultural it, appropriation. It, yeah, that's cultural appropriation. That's French-Canadian poutine. <laughs> and it looks like a disaster, but it's really good. I mean, if you get... That's a perfect way of explaining. It, it looks like a disaster. It looks like a bus crash. <laughs> and if you're Martin Picard, you add foie gras.